Great, it's lovely to, uh, lovely to see you. And the reason Crawley is, is very much on my heart is because uh, I'm a Hawley boy. Has anybody heard of Hawley? You speak to your neighbors in Hawley, do you? Hopefully. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I grew up in Hawley. Is anyone from Hawley? How are you? Whereabouts in Hawley? Where are you from in Hawley? Meath Green. Meath Green. Meath Green Lane, eh? Kingsley Road. Oh, that's where I used to go to school many years ago. And then my first job, um, when I was, a, I was a manager with Marks and Spencers and uh, did my training here in Crawley. So for oh, about nine months, and then they moved me on to Hastings and then on to Bristol. And uh, then God called me to go to Bible College and to serve Him. And so we've, uh, we've been around. We've been in, started a church in Heathfield many years ago, just after we got married. Um, and then we went to Hastings, we saw the church there grow from about 160 to, there were about 400 adults, and we bought a massive, massive, great big building. And then we went to Woking, and we were there for, there for six years, and then recently we've been in Sydney, Australia, church planting there, and uh, we, it was a beautiful place. Have you ever watched Home and Away? <laughs> well, they used to film it just down the road from where we lived, so um, it was all the beaches there are 16 beaches, miles long, with nobody on them, and oh. it's amazing. <laughs> and then God called us back to Crawley. <laughs> no, he called us back to, uh, yeah, to England. He's got a special place for England, and um, a special place for you guys in Crawley, and uh, I believe, believe God wants to do some things among you. What I want to do tonight, I'm going to preach from the Word of God with a passage, unusual passage, which God has put on my heart, Joe. And we're going to look at that, and then we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst. Everybody in favor. From this point on, we are out of control. Ooh. Good. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles, please, in your Bibles. 2 Chronicles, chapter 26. Tonight, I'm going to, um, I'm going to preach about the holiness of God. It's what God has put on my heart to speak about. And if we go from 2 Chronicles, verse, chapter 26, and for verse 16, it says this. He said, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted him and they said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron who've been consecrated to burn incense, now leave the sanctuary, for you've been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord your God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in the presence before the incense altar of the, in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And when Azariah, the chief priest, and the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, and they hurried him out. 
Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. And King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And he lived in a separate house, leprous and excluded from the temple of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. And then turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Famous passage. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, and each had six wings. With two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, with two they covered their faces, rather, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send to Berlin? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray tonight that you would bless this dear people. Keep me from being long-winded and boring. And I pray, come and let Jesus be glorified and honored here in this dear church. And do with these people all that's on heaven's agenda. Mightily break into Crawley. Let us see a revival in Crawley, which causes the ears of people in the land to tingle again. That God is working and signs and wonders and miracles. Let it be known that God is powerfully in his church in Crawley, we pray. Amen. (laughs) Holiness of God. You see, holiness is the essential essence of what God is. And holiness to God is what light is to the sun or sweetness is to honey. It's the essential part and essence of who he is. So when we talk about God's love, it's his holy love. When we talk about his justice, it's his holy justice. When we talk about his mercy, it's his holy mercy. Everything he does is shot through with holiness. But what does it actually mean, holiness? What does it actually mean? 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does it actually mean? And one of the most definitive passages in the Bible on the holiness of God is in fact the passage that we read. Isaiah chapter 6 is the most definitive passage about God's holiness. And I've picked out, we could say many things, but I've picked out three things which it speaks of and may touch a fourth thing. Three things that it speaks of. His might, his majesty, his mercy. It speaks first of all about his might. It says in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You see, Uzziah was a very, very prosperous king. He'd reigned for 52 years in Israel, and he'd been very successful. They'd known economic stability. They'd known growth. They'd known financial security. They'd known prosperity as a nation for 52 years with this man leading. But sometimes when people become successful, that one of the things which can happen is that pride then gets the better of them and they think that they're God's answer to anything and everything. I've known people who've been very successful in the business world and suddenly they, they think that they're God's answer to sort the church out and let, stand back and let me do it. And, and that's exactly what happened here to Uzziah. In Uzziah's day, it's that um, Uzziah the king, he, he was very prosperous, he was very secure, And he's overstepped the mark. He thought, I'm now going to move into an area as a priest. And he went into the temple. He went to burn burn incense on the altar, which was only allowed for the priests who'd been anointed and consecrated to do that. And they tried to say, don't don't do that, please. And he was outraged. How dare you tell me what to do? And 80 of them tried to stop him. Get out my way! I told you, get out the way! And as he moved forward, they all, they all looked. And they pointed at his forehead. And suddenly leprosy had broken open on his forehead. And suddenly the judgment of God had hit this man, this king. And indeed, it was forbidden for somebody leprous to go right into the very presence of God like that. They had to get him out. Indeed, he was very keen to get out. I'm not surprised. And they took him out. And he was excluded from the temple, was excluded from the people from that moment on. And his son ruled. And the nation was in absolute turmoil and perplexity and confusion. 52 years Stability, economic growth, we know where we are. Suddenly it's all gone wrong. The king's been judged by God, he's, he's excluded. What on earth's going on? What's, it's a bit like Brexit. <laughs> you think, what the heck's happening? Who knows? I don't know anybody who does know. What is going on? And there's times of perplexity and confusion. You think, where is God in all of this? <laughs> And what is necessary at times like that of perplexity and confusion and muddle is for people to get a long look at Jesus. And it was the calling on this man's life to be a prophet. 
God says, I'm going to call you to be a prophet to Isaiah. And the thing which a prophet needs, he needs, first of all, an encounter with the living God. And the very temple where Uzziah had been and got the judgment of God, this man goes in and he's probably confused and thinks, he's a young guy, what on earth's going on? What, earth's going on? what do I do? What do I do? And suddenly he has a vision of God which touches his life and he's encountered with God. He is never, ever, ever, ever the same. In fact, it's the foundation of his ministry and it's the foundation of this amazing prophecy transformed his life and it's transforming lives today what that man encountered because you're in a season where God is wanting to encounter you and speak to you in a way which is going to have a massive knock-on effect to other people don't despise what God is doing And he goes into the temple and he sees a vision of the Lord seated on the throne. High, high, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now the temple would have been about the size of Wembley Stadium. And God wasn't in the temple. He was high above it all. It was just his robe, just the train of his robe which filled the temple. Now, I watched a program on the TV last night about royal dresses. Did anybody see that? <laughs> and they said that Lady Diana, that um, when she got married, had a, some fancy designer or something. He said, oh, let's go big, you know, on, you know, fairy queen. And uh, they had a train which was 25 foot long, was it? Or yards long, 25 foot long. 25, they said, wow, that's, and it was. And what it does, it adds a sense of majesty and glory. 25 foot long, this train. I used to be a manager of uh, Marks and Spencers. I don't quite know what a train does to a garment, but I'll tell you what it does do. It's got no practical function. It adds a sense of majesty to it. And here, the train of his garment, just the train, filled Wembley Stadium. And, and he, was, he was high and lifted up above it and seated on the throne. <laughs> and the angels were crying, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Do you know what's needed at our time? In the nation of perplexity and confusion, it's for the church and leaders and people and for you and for me to catch such an understanding of Jesus high and lifted up and seated on the throne that people come to us and say, look, you seem to be secure. You're not thrown about by everything and by him and <clears throat> her and what they're saying and what they're not saying. There seems to be a bit of security. What is it? I've seen the king. I've seen the Lord. And there are people here today, and some of you are in a place of perplexity about your jobs. Some of you are in perplexity about your marriage. Some are in a place of perplexity about your children, your future, where you're at. Some of you aren't quite sure what's going on. 
I won't ask you to put up your hand, but if I did ask you, I know that people would put their hand up. You think, what is going on? Do you know what's necessary at a time like that? Is for you to run into the presence of God, shut yourself in and get alone with God until you get such a vision of the fact that he is seated on the throne. He's sovereign control. Not a sparrow falls to the ground without the will of the Father. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every word you speak before you speak it. He knows which seat you're going to sit in tonight. He knows everything because he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, who was and who is and who is coming again. That's who he is. That's who he is. And what we need to do instead of running around, I don't understand this, I don't understand, get someone to pray for me. What we need to do is to run into Jesus, shut the door, get alone with him. Oh God, help, I need you. Oh God, I need you. I need you. I don't know what's going on. But I need you at this time like never before. Do you know there have been times in my life where I've been so confused, so perplexed, I thought, there was one situation I was in. I thought, it, actually, it was a church situation. I thought, I just do not know where God is in all of this. And I, I would talk to friends. I'd talk to people. I thought, I can't understand it. I don't understand. Are you? And I got nowhere. Nothing happened. It, got, it actually got, probably got worse. And do you know the key was to get alone with God? Just to get alone with God. And it's almost as though God shut me into that point where I had to come to the point where I realized he's seated on the throne, he's in sovereign control, even in perplexity, even in confusion, he is the one who is unrushed, unhurried, he's seated on the throne of heaven, he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, who was and who is, and who's coming again. That's what we need. That's what we need. That's what Crawley needs. That's what your marriage needs. That's what your children need. That's what your children need from the fathers here. Put up your hand if you're a father. That's what your children need from fathers. Is a father who's secure in the purposes and promises of God. Not somebody who's blown by everything. We have... Uh, we actually have four children. We have three sons who live on this earth. We have a daughter who lives with Jesus. Died when she was eight, eight weeks old. But I used to get the children around the breakfast table every day and I'd read through the Psalms. We'd read through the Psalms and then we'd keep a prayer book. And we would write down, we'd go, Simon, what would you like to pray about? Jamie, what would you like to pray about? What would you like to pray about? Simon, what shall we pray about for you? I've got an exam coming up. Write it down. Jamie, there's a boy being nasty to me at school. Let's write it down. And I would be honest. I had a tax bill once when we moved house, and they suddenly gave me this tax bill, which I couldn't pay. I didn't have the wherewithal to pay. And I said to the, said to the kids, I, I, haven't, I don't know how to pay it. And I told them. We put it down and then we'd pray and get them to pray. And as the answers come, we've ticked them off, ticked them off, ticked them off. Now, I'd even forgotten we'd done that. My son phoned me up yesterday because his car had broken down 
he needed to replace the car, he was short and what have you. He said, Dad, he said, I'm, I'm doing now with my kids what you taught us to do. We're telling them about it. They're praying about the car. Fathers, do it. Teach your children. Mums, do it. Teach them. They will carry it for the rest of their lives. Teach them that God's in control, that he's the answer to all our needs. Are you perplexed? Are you confused? Are you bewildered? Psalm 139 says, You know when I sit. You know when I rise. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. And it says this, All the days of my life were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Ephesians says this, In him we have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. Everything. Say that together, everything. What does that include? Your marriage, your finance, your situation. Brexit, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Amen? Can you say amen? It means, first of all, <clears throat> his might, that he is mighty, he is almighty. Secondly, it means not only his might, it means his majesty or his majestic. The train of his robe filled the temple and uh, the angels fly around and they're singing holy, holy, holy. Now, they're strange creatures because they've got six wings and they've got two flying around covering their face and two covering their feet and two, they're just woo, flying. And we can learn about the majesty of God from this train filling the temple. That's what it does to a garment. It adds to the majesty, the real splendor. Not 25 foot long. No, this one filled the, te filled the temple. God, high and lifted, way, way, way above it. And the angels, we can learn from them. They were flying around with two wings. They're covering their face. Strange, isn't it? Right next to God, and they're covering their face. It's because Deuteronomy tells us, it says the secret things belong to the Lord. Sometimes I meet people and they say, when I get to heaven, I've got a, a thing or two I'm going to ask God. And so you think, oh yes. <laughs> and they've got that sort of attitude as though God is accountable to them. I've got a few things I'm going to ask. You haven't got a clue. These angels, they flew with their wings covering their face, the secret things belong to the Lord. And I found this. I found that there are times of perplexity and confusion. And my question has been, Lord, why this? Why that? Why that? Why that? Why that? I found this. I found God will not answer all my why questions. <laughs> I wonder if you've ever studied the life of Job. And as you read through the life of Job, you find out that he lost his job. He lost his health. He lost his business. He lost his family. He had a bunch of false comforters. You think, lost everything. And then you get to chapter 38, and, and after all the comforters have spoken, it says, then God speaks. And you think, surely God's going to say, now there, there, I know it's been tough for you, 
He doesn't. He says to him, brace yourself like a man. I like that. Brace yourselves like a man. I'm going to question you. And you go through four chapters where God questions him. Four chapters. You think a guy who's lost everything. He's <laughs> you think it's hilarious. You think he's lost his job, he's lost his health, he's lost his business, he's lost his family, he's lost everything. And you think, surely he, he must get some answers. Now God says, Brace yourself like a man, I'm gonna question you for a bit. Oh my word. And you read through some of the questions. Here I is a question for you tonight. Where were you? When the foundations of the earth were laid, tell me. Do you know, question number two, do you know where the storehouses of snow are kept? Tell me if you have understanding. You who are going to question God, where are they kept? I haven't thought of that one recently. How about that? Do you know where, do you know where the lightning bolts are kept? Can't say I do. <laughs> do you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Does anybody know when the mountain goat gives birth? And then he goes on into detail. God goes on into detail. So they said, oh, well, they crouch down like this and then they give, they give birth to you. I mean, it's hilarious. You think, he's a man who's lost everything. You think, surely there'd be a there, there, never mind. You know, no, 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 no. How does a mountain goat give birth? <laughs> I haven't, haven't thought about that the last couple of years. What about the lightning bolts? No, I haven't. What about the foundations of it? No, 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 no. And he goes on four chapters of question after question. Where does the horse get its strength from? Oh, <laughs> I don't know that one either. Does the eagle, does the eagle fly at your command? No. And you think question after question after question. And what God is saying, he is saying to Job, I know every detail of where the lightning bolts are kept, where the snow is kept, how a horse gets its strength, how a mountain goat gives birth. You know very little, and there's things which are happening to you. All is I'm asking for you at this time is that you put your confidence and trust in me. And he's calling him to have an understanding of the majesty of God like he's never, ever known before. And the answer, the only answer that God will give us at times is that he's the one in control and his majesty is enough. He's the one in control. Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood is a question God asked Job. And do you know what he says at the end? As he understands, hold on a minute, I'm a very, very small person. I used to think that the whole world was just about me and uh, just about me. But no, 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 no. I'm quite a small person. Actually, it's about the living God. And it's about my trust in him. And Job at the end of it all says this. He says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now my eye can see you. Do you know what God's purpose is in your life? Do you know? 
is for you to become more like his son Jesus. It's for you to become like him. He will put you through tests, through difficulties, through all sorts of things. And you might think, where's God? You're all get grumpy and everything. He'll do it to cut you down. And so in the end, you come to a place, oh, Lord, you know all things. I trust you. I love you. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And we come to a place of absolute peace and freedom. Even though he slay me, I'm in the hands of the living God. It's not all about me. It's about him. I mean, knowing him. Do you know what God says to, says to the fathers in 1 John? He says, I write to you fathers. I write to you fathers. I write to you children because you know your sins are forgiven. I write to you young men because you're strong, you've overcome the evil one. I write to you fathers. That means somebody who's grown in maturity. That means somebody who's grown. Do you know what he says? I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. In other words, God is looking in your life and in, in my life for a sense of maturity that we, we understand and we know more of God as we go through life. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. And through the difficulties, perplexities, God will be teaching us to trust him and to look to him always. The angels... Two wings they had covering their face because there are some things which are secret which belong to God. With two wings they cover their feet. Do you know what that says? That says that we have no direction in life, none, unless it comes from him. The angels were there to be messengers of the living God. They had no direction. They cover their, they cover their feet. When we were in Woking, God spoke to me very clearly, very, very clearly, to go to Australia. My mother was ill. Ruth's parents were ill. Had three kids at university. And we knew that God had spoken to us. And you're thinking, oh, what about this? What about that? What about the other? We made the decision to go. We thought, well, God knows all those things. And they all fell into place in an amazing way. It won't go through it all. And someone came to me and said, oh, you're very brave going to Australia. Bravery's got nothing to do with it. What we're called to do is to, obey, is to obey and do what God tells us to do. That's what we do. And if he said, move to Crawley or go to Crawley, that's just as brave as going to the ends of the earth. What you do is you obey what God tells you to do. And when you do, you find he parts the Red Sea, his blessing goes with you. And his hand is with you. With two wings they cover their face. With two they cover their feet. We have no direction unless it comes from you. And with two wings they flew. I wonder if you've ever seen a hummingbird. It's in Mexico once. I saw my first hummingbird. I thought it was a bee. I said, oh, look at that bee. And I noticed that it went ding right across to the other side of this garden to a flower over there and someone said there's no bee that's a hummingbird and it was a, like the size of a, a bumblebee or I looked at it and doing, and they went doing, and it was flying around I mean it was like a dart like a bullet in this garden that's just what these angels were like with two wings they cover their face with two they cover their feet two wings they're ready like a hummingbird any word from the throne bang they're off to do it Hear a word from the throne, whoosh, they're there. 
Do you know it says of Abraham, the father of faith, he said he longed for a child, he longed to be a dad. If only I could be a dad, if only I could be a dad. He became a dad. 25 years he'd waited for the promise to be fulfilled. When his son was 15 years old, God says, go and sacrifice him. You think 25, 15 years, that's 40 years. And in a moment he says, God says, go and sacrifice him. And as you read the Bible, it says, Abraham rose early the next morning to do it. I think I would have overslept. <laughs> I think I would have allowed the alarm clock just to ring off. I wouldn't have set it. I missed the train, sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone. But he rose early the next morning to obey. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. God calls you and me to obey when he says, Go to Berlin. Go. And obstacles and difficulties and financial pressures which we think, how will this work out? We find God parts the Red Sea. Amen. What's your name? Jet. You got the right name. Jet. You're going on a jet. You're all jetted up. Ready to go. He speaks of his might, his almighty he speaks of his majesty. The angels, two wings, they cover their face, their feet, two, they're flying. But the holiness of God speaks about his mercy, his mercy. Where would Steve Brading be without the mercy of God? Where would you be without the mercy of God? Where would any of us be without the mercy of God? And Isaiah... The prophet, he says, oh, I'm ruined. I'm absolutely ruined. I feel undone. Have you ever felt undone in the presence of God? He knows everything about me. It's like unzipping a banana or, you know, he just, oh, he just knows everything about me. That's happened to me. You think, oh, my word, there's no hiding. He said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then he says, and an angel came with a coal from the altar and it touched his lips. And then in verse 7 we get this. We get what's called perfect coordinates where it says, it says when the minute the coal touched his lips, he said, his sin was gone. Your sin is removed. I wonder if you've ever seen those Newton's cradles where you get those balls, you, you let one fly and it hits a string of them and the other one goes bang then it comes back and lets the other one go and do you know the things I mean that's how it was the angel touched his lips gone your sin's gone touched gone touched gone touched gone do you know the beauty of this as I come to an end is that we haven't been touched with a burning coal the New Testament tells us in John chapter 12 but actually this was a picture of Jesus that Isaiah saw. We haven't been touched with the burning coal. We've been touched with the blood of the Lamb. The one who was on the throne is the one who stepped out into our world, became a man, and bled and died on the cross that we might receive God's mercy and be cleansed and forgiven. And I'm grateful every day for the cross. Every day I come to the cross and say, Lord, I need your mercy again today. <laughs> Steve Brading, oh yes, he needs the mercy of God every single minute, second, in my case.
every single day. And to understand the holiness of God, are you Emma? Amy, close. It means, Amy, his might. He's in control of every situation. His majesty. But it also means his mercy. He's very, very, very merciful. Very merciful. I went to Pensacola once. Has anybody heard of Pensacola? Where they were having a revival and Steve Hill preached. And I felt convicted because I felt there are times when I've been a bit sloppy with the TV and I'd watched something on TV which I shouldn't have watched. And I felt convicted. And when he had an altar call, I went forward and I felt as though I'd been touched by the power of God in a whole new way. I felt the holy, holy, holy touch of God. I'm going to ask you tonight right now just come forward and we're going to pray for an encounter of the Holy Spirit on your life there'll be people here who've got situations where you're perplexed perplexity you need to know that God is on the throne and in control of your situation there's a lady who's in a relationship you're not married, it's in a relationship and it's gone sour and you're wondering what on earth has happened and it's time to move on because God has something much better than that situation. I want you to come forward. I'm going to pray of you. We're going to ask God to bless you. There are pe people here tonight you need to know God's on the throne in your situation. There are others of you who need to catch a fresh understanding of the majesty of God, oh, his greatness. And there are others of you who just need to come and just say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your touch on my life again and again, right this very minute.